This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, salam welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. And as I'm recording this episode, um, it's the Monday of Mental Health Awareness Week. And the theme for this year is Take the Time to Korero, which I think is so, so important, especially in New Zealand. Um, growing up um, in New Zealand, but having come from Somalia, um, not actually coming from Somalia. I was born in Yemen um, and then I came to New Zealand when I was two, but my parents are both from Somalia. So that is what I mean when I say um, when I come from Somalia. Um, it is really interesting navigating this world with two different cultural lens. And what I've noticed about New Zealand is that we say like, how are you going as if it's a hello? Um, but those two things are very different. Like one is just a greeting a mere greeting and the other one is asking someone how they are um but i feel like we use hey you know, how's it going as a hello um and there have been many times where either i've been you know i've <laughs> been on the receiving end or i've i've witnessed it where you know people are exchanging those how are you going but the conversation just gets cut short and the key question which is how are you has actually never been addressed um and i yeah i just think that's so interesting i'm I'm not saying that us kiwis we don't know how to have deep conversations because we do um but it's just part of our culture right like how's it going on a day-to-day basis but on a day-to-day basis how often do we take the time to like really check in with each other you know what i mean and to be purposeful about the conversations that we have um and i'm just talking about um the culture here right and in Somalia if someone comes over for a cup of tea you know that means you know y'all are going to have a catch-up you are going to really know how that person is doing what's going on what do you think about this talk about what's happening in the world um and we've like in Somalia we've always had a really strong um oral storytelling tradition so when we do tell stories it's because everyone's gathered and you know that everyone talks you know the elders are teaching us about our ancestors and um, those who have come before us and our history and you know people who are you know the young ones are talking about what's going on in the world and the politics and the economy and all these sorts of things and kind of banding together to kind of figure out well what can we do what do we think about this um and so conversations are not just you know hey how's it going it's a you know invitation to explore yourself and to understand you know yourself and your family and others around you in the world and it's um sparks that curiosity and it you know fills in the gaps of your knowledge and um it is empathy and action it's you know all of these things and 
And so it's a big deal when someone asks you around for a cup of coffee or when someone asks you um, how you're doing. Um, that question, it means a lot. Um, it really does mean a lot. And so to compare it to New Zealand, I'm like, the the culture is so different. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but the fact that the theme for this year is, you know, taking the time out to have that korero, I think it's so important because we do we need to have those conversations more and when i was thinking about well what is it that i um want to talk like speak to when talking about mental health awareness week is actually highlighting the fact that when we think about conversations yes it's about talking but listening is equally as important it's not just a about the words that come out of our mouths but it's about the space that's in between and um, the way that we hold space for each other right because if you're not in the right environment the conversations that you do have they're not going to be um, meaningful or impactful like you you really have to create the right vibe and space for people to have deep conversations right when everyone's all in there's that vulnerability and there's that trust um and it's actually really really hard um to fine-tune the art of listening um it's genuinely quite hard to do so um you like i always thought that i was um not a bad listener in my humble opinion um but as i was preparing for this episode i was like actually no i'm pretty bad I am pretty bad um, and there are so many ways that I can improve um, and I think when we are good listeners good listeners sorry and we're having conversations it will only lead to places where you're meant to be I was almost going to say good places but sometimes you it's not doesn't feel great when you're having um, a particular conversation but the reward afterwards and the learnings that you gain from that is so worth it um so sometimes a quote-unquote good conversation doesn't feel good um but you know when you are truly listening it can only lead to the places that you need to go so um a big thing i think um when we're talking about listening is assumptions and not having assumptions when you you know go into a conversation because as soon as you assume things or you project things or you come in with your biases um, the landscape of what you like can be hearing narrows and you're only getting a small picture um, of what's truly going on um, like you're looking at the conversation through a particular lens or a filter but not seeing it for what it truly can be and I'm also just going to give examples just to make things more real and um, more understandable but the way that this showed up for me was when I was talking to my other um, friends who came or who come from like a a different ethnic background and my and sometimes I'd vocalize it sometimes I wouldn't but the way that it would came up for me is that I would assume that it was going to be uh, like a traumatic experience or there was a huge kind of clash it was or it was just horrible um, 
and that's not true but I think I just assume that you know everything's always going to be so traumatic um, for people of color and often it is I'm not denying that but to go walk into a conversation and assume that it's not right of me um, you know there was this one time where someone I know was just telling me um, oh was telling me about um, their new partner um, so my um, friend is gay and um, also of you know has a, is a third culture kid so has a different um, cultural background and when I was listening um, to my friend talk I was like I could the assumptions of oh it must have been so traumatic um, they're like their parents must not accept them life must be like such a struggle um, and then my person was like oh my friend sorry my person lol um, my friend was like actually um, no like my parents are all good with my sexuality um, it's fine um, things at home are all good and I think if I didn't have that assumption walking into that conversation I would have heard things differently and understood things differently and realized that what what whatever I'm hearing is coming from another person and it's in that moment it's about that other person but putting my assumptions like interjecting my assumptions into what I was hearing um, takes the focus away from you know who's actually saying the words and why they're saying why they are saying those words um, so just walk in with no assumptions regardless if they're they're good or they're bad or they're they're weird or unusual or like whatever it is however you want to describe it walking in with no assumptions is so important because you truly see that person for who they are what they're trying to say in that moment um I think and that, and that kind of also um, leads qu quite nicely into the next point which is intent and like why is it that you want to have that conversation um, and this is a good check because um, like a thing that I've noticed in my short time on this planet is people love talking about themselves and people love um, putting their like relatable stories in. and I'm not saying there's a bad intention with that you know it is a way of relating and understanding but sometimes it's needed and sometimes it isn't um, but when you know the intent of like why is it that you're having this conversation is it to support that person is it to challenge that person is it to um, resolve something like whatever it is there are so many different intents that you can have of the conversation um, the intent of the conversation can guide what your response is going to be um, and that's really really important right so when you are supporting a friend um, you're in a situ a position where you can better support them and I'm not saying that um, mistakes won't happen because they do but you know if you know what your intent is going into the conversation I think you'll be able to better able to truly listen to whoever it is that you're you're talking to um, and then I think the next thing to think about is just your boundaries when it comes to having conversations so like um, time do you both know like how much time you're going to set aside for this conversation um, you know there have been so many times where 
um, I think we're going to talk for X long and actually this person like needs to rush off and we're in the middle of something really big or maybe perhaps a little bit sticky um, and I'm not saying you just can't find the time to pick up the conversation another time but like if you're having I think when you do have those boundaries around time you're being purposeful um, with how you spend that time with um, that person and also boundaries when it comes to space as well right like for me what this is look like is I'm always on the go so I'm either like on the train or on campus and both are very public spaces so I can't really be having super deep um, conversations just because there is no sense of privacy um, especially on the train but I, you know I have to like book a room if I want to do that um, on campus and make sure that it's quiet and and private so I can really honor that person and spend that time with them um, and also having boundaries around like what that conversation is going to look like particularly if you think it's going to be a big one like if these like emotions arise this is what we'll do um, we will take this conversation in manageable small bites rather than just like diving into it and I think if you have those boundaries set up it puts both like parties in a position where they can like be able to listen to what the other person is saying um, and I think when you do have those great foundations for being able to listen to someone the conversations that follow um, you know are amazing they're challenging um, they are a learning experience um, they are an exploration of self they nurture your soul um, they develop a sense of trust um, and vulnerability with that with that person and like stuff like that is so important because when you have the conversation with the right person like what it, it might feel like a storm in your head um, but when you talk to the right person you know you can the storm dissipates and you can you can see the light on the other side or it, another metaphor because apparently we love the metaphors around here um, you know if you are stuck um, having the conversation with the right person kind of illuminates this path that you just couldn't see before um, and it takes you to where you need to go and I'm not saying that having conversations fix everything because yes you can see the path but you still need to put one foot in front of the other to get to where you need to be um, but conversations help so much in that process um, regardless of whether your mental health is um, like in an amazing space at the moment or it isn't like conversations are so nourishing and if I think back to like all the how my life has changed and who I am as a person now like the seeds were planted because of conversations that I had um, with people and they have honestly been so life-changing even if it didn't feel life-changing at the time they have absolutely um, been life-changing so I think the fact that this is a theme for Mental Health Awareness Week is amazing and the thing about conversations is that yes it can look like so many different things um, you know it doesn't 
necessarily have to be with you sitting sitting down talking to another person but like I reckon podcasts for example are a form of passive conversations like you're sitting down and you're listening to someone's story and so not only I think should we challenge ourselves to have those conversations more with our near and dear but to have those conversations um, around topics that we often avoid things that we don't understand um, have conversations with people who are so different to us um, this is where the the learning and the understanding and the empathy comes from so challenge yourself to have those conversations that you don't normally have and explore the things that you don't normally talk about um, and make it safe like make it safe for for everyone um, I think there's a difference between calling someone forward or like calling someone out between um, tension and when you do have those conversations where you are called forward that invites someone to do something um, about it. Like I know that a lot of people, for example, are really scared to talk about um, racism because it gets, and rightly so, it gets really emotional. But when people have conversations about it and as soon as there's um, a difference in opinion, it's like, uh, hate, 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 anger, anger um, towards the other side. But actually, we need to be having safer conversations. We need to be better listeners. We need to um, hold space for each other so people are called forward. Um, I know this is a very different topic, but I've been thinking a lot about um, body image as I've kind of spoken about on the show before. And um, one thing that I'm really leaning to um, into at the moment is like you can't hate your body into health or into like losing weight or into all of these things like you can't hate yourself into these things so you might as well love yourself um, as like I'm yeah trying really hard to love myself into um, doing better and it's not necessarily about losing weight but it's just the fact that I'm really unfit and my body deserves better um it does so much for me so you know in order to thank my body and to honor my body I should be moving it more and resting more and um you know looking after it better so I need to love myself to look after myself better. I can't hate myself into looking after myself and with the goal of losing weight in mind. And I think when you are having those challenging conversations, like you can't, um, you know, you can't force someone to, to change in anger. But if you call someone forward, you know, it gives, it still it preserves their self-worth in a way where they are called to action and you know there are people who will be listening to this and they will disagree with me and that's completely fine but that's how I view conversations and yes you can read books and watch documentaries but I think the magic with conversations is that in in, in itself it's a learning experience but through someone else's um, thoughts and stories and experiences um, and that humanizes things I think we are um, social creatures and 
like when things are humanized for us they make um more sense and there's more of a pull to be involved and there's more investment in it right um and so i hope like not just for this week but um every day that when we do ask someone you know how are you going there's that intent to know how they really are there's no assumptions um or biases or stereotypes that come in with you when you are listening to um how they are and you know if you want to have further conversations about it well what are the boundaries how are you going to honor yourselves and and honor this conversation um and hold each other accountable to create a safe place to have those conversations all the time because we need to we need to be having these conversations all the time it's not just a one-off it's um creating a culture around it right um because we know all that information we do but it's creating a culture around it so it then leads to change um but we really need to start with those conversations and so um whether it's over share or over a cup of tea or over a walk or whatever it is um or wherever it is um having those conversations and i think it's so important to take the time out to corridor um and just acknowledging that these conversations are going to look different for different communities i mean i'm not saying you have to directly talk about mental health um to talk about your mental health if you know what i mean like actively talking about racism or talking about how men are socialized to feel talking about toxic masculinity talking about feminism talking about colonization talking about the economy talking about housing like all of these things are also talking about your mental health as well um it's not just directly talking about mental health there are so many things that are encompassed under the huge umbrella of mental health so just talk talk to your talk to your friends talk to your family talk to people you don't know um get involved with conversations that make you uncomfortable like this all of the all of the above is how you learn and how you grow um so get involved with the corridor um really amazing that this is a theme for mental health awareness week and i hope all of you um yeah focus on being good listeners um to have those good conversations um the next thing that i wanted to talk about was free will and fate in islam and this might come from a really weird place like amal where are you where are you going with this and where did it come from um i was watching i yeah i always if i'm having lunch by myself you best believe i'll be watching a bit of youtube um or tiktok while i'm eating my lunch um, whether or not that's the healthiest thing to do that's for that's a conversation for another time um but i'm yeah either i'm watching something um when i'm eating lunch by myself and there was a video um i can't even remember what the specific tiktok was but it just it made my eyes roll because it was about this um muslim woman and she it was like you know i don't know if you guys will know but there's this weird like subculture on tiktok where people i think i'm pretty sure they're actors 
but they just um play out like certain scenarios and yeah one of them was a muslim girl taking off her hijab and like all of a sudden her life was amazing and she was free from her oppressive parents and um i was just like oh my god <laughs> we have seen time and time again poor representation of muslim women in media and it just honestly it makes me so i feel some type of way about it to be honest because i think if you are part of the you know those who do come from the majority have the privilege of being multiple like many dimensions many dimensions and the story is told with the good and the bad and the beginning the middle the end like everything the the multiple layers and the nuances um to a person and their story but if you are from a marginalized group or a minimalized group that's it only the one story you can be only one dimensional and it really um gets under my skin because um this poor representation of media says so many incorrect things about muslim women a muslim women are forced to wear the hijab um b uh muslim parents are horrible very oppressive um don't care about their children um it also says you know once muslim women and girls take off the hijab they're free um and often it's in the context of uh muslim women taking off the hijab in like uh non-islamic countries so kind of embraces like says is saying you know the west is um superior because they're the real champion for women's rights and you know all of these things just from this poor representation in media and i think i already spoke about this show in a previous episode but a show like we are lady parts is the complete opposite to that poor representation that we often see oh yeah so different <laughs> um so just in case you um like haven't heard of the show before we are lady parts is centered um around the stories of four or five four or five um muslim women who um, are part of a punk band and i think it's so cool um there's one that wears a full naqab one that doesn't even wear the hijab like it doesn't matter they're all muslim women they're loud they're proud um and they like honor the stories that need to be told like they break free from that one dimension and tell the stories the good and the bad all of the nuances everything and so that's the kind of storytelling that we need right because you you'll watch something like we are lady parts and you'll understand that actually parents do care they want the best for their children like every other parent does um they do the best with what they know um what they have um surprise surprise not all um muslim parents are super strict and oppressive um you know there's like one of the girls in the band she's like she wears a hijab she like follows the rules to a t her parents 
you know, her mum doesn't wear the hijab, they're really chill, they do whatever they want. <laughs> um, one girl who um, is not currently living at home just because, you know, with what she wants to do with her life, there, there's a clash with her parents, right? But even with that clash, she still see, feel and hear the love that she has for her family, um, that she has for her culture and that she has for her religion. Um, like these women are so multi-dimensional. I think that honors more what Muslim women are like. And at the end of the day, like the things that they kind of struggle with, um, the things that they talk about, I think any human will talk about um, just because we all share this thing called the human experience and we're all concerned with um, love and failure and success and knowing what we want to do in life. Um, but that is stripped away um, from voices of um, marginalized communities and it's so not okay um and while we're talking about the poor representation of muslim women in media i kind of just wanted to take um some time out to talk about um the concept of free will and fate um because there is this idea that then thanks to the media and all the stereotypes and the Islam um islamophobia there's this idea that um women in Islam are restricted and they cannot do what they want to do and um, that's not true and just from an Islamic point of view I just wanted to carve some time to talk about um, women's rights and free will and fate um, from an Islamic point of view and the reason why I wanted to do this is it's when you think about the accessibility of learning or hearing about the stereotypes of Islam, the Islamophobe, um, Islamophobic re rhetoric, um, the, you know, the misquoted um, lines from the Quran, like all unbelievers must be killed, like all of that kind of stuff, so accessible, which is scary um, and really sad when you think about the inaccessibility for one who really wants to know what Islam is about. Like, if you are not a Muslim person, how the heck are you going to find out about Islam? But look at how easy it is to find out about the stereotypes and all the horrible things that um, everyone just seems to know about Islam, right? So if this is an opportunity to open up an avenue, heck yeah, I'll talk about it. So um, free will uh, exists in Islam. And there's also the concept of fate. So um, in Islam, uh, we call it Qadr, um, which directly translates to, or, or literally means power. But um, it means, like the English translation, would be predestination. Um, so, you know, fate, um, foreordainment, um, predestination, um, and the idea is that, um, you know, there is a destiny, a divine destiny um, from God um, that, you know, whatever is written in the preserved tablet um, will, will happen um, and will come to pass. 
Um, but the thing about this is that the way that us Muslims think about it, the way things are written on this tablet is outside the bounds of how we understand time. So we think about time in a very linear fashion. Um, but, you know, the, the way that um, God has created and understands time, we do not understand. So not everything that is written on the tablet will happen because there is the concept of free will. And so free will is, you know, just the way that we we think about it where you know you have the agency and the freedom to choose whatever you want to choose so you want to study for that test or not nah. you want to wear the hijab or not nah. you even want to be a muslim or not nah. like it's completely up to you um how you choose to live your life the day-to-day -day, um choices the big life choices like whatever it is it is up to you and so because there is that idea of free will there are like many different versions of how your life can turn out on the tablet and like the reason this is an article of faith the concept of Qadr is an article of faith in Islam because like whatever happens to you it's not because of you it is because of the will of Allah and it has been subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's been written um on that tablet so you know you know your action like is not caused by what is written on the tablet um but the action is already written on the tablet because God already knows all the occurrences um because the way like the way that we understand time there's not that restriction of the way that we understand time so you don't i'm not um wearing the hijab the way i do because it was written on the tablet but um the action was written in the tablet um because god knew that it was going to happen um and this is probably like i see i'm not an islamic scholar so there's probably like a deeper way that I could explain this. Um, but again, I'm not a scholar. So I think if you want to know more about it, I think your good old mate Google will be um, what you want to do. Um, but this is like the metaphor that I have for like the concept between Qadr and free will is like you know those books where you can kind of choose what happens next so there's not just middle or beginning middle end it's um so many different things can happen like there are different stories within the, the story that's the way that I see it um so yeah it's kind of like that so anyways you know, that's why if you have any Muslim friends, you'll hear them say inshallah a lot because, you know, you say you, you're going to do something or something will happen. But like, whatever it is, it's because of the will of Allah, not because of you. Um, and so that's why we say inshallah a lot. And it's really reassuring. Um, well, for me, it's it's personally, it's quite humbling um, to put your faith um, in, in God like that. Um and to have that faith in something outside of humans, I think is really 
it's special to me. Um, and I think every Muslim person will have their own understanding and have it will have its own like special significance. Um, but that is how I how I feel about it. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because the way that the media portrays Muslim women, there is no sense of free will. Um, it is completely robbed of Muslim women apparently um, and apparently their parents robbed it from them and they are oppressed and have to follow um, what their parents say and then all of a sudden they come to a western country and um, boom free will has been granted to them and freedom but that free will and free, uh, free will and freedom have always been there it's just and this is where it gets confusing is culture has a huge role to play in all of this so culture and religion are very different things but they the they have such a close relationship that sometimes it may seem like the same thing and often the purity of islam has been um made not as pure with culture like for example and i'm just bringing up this example because i've just finished reading this book um but female um mutilation of fgm sorry female genital mutilation um has been happens in certain countries and cultures it's not just like predominantly islamic countries that like that have these practices um i think it's more widespread than that but anyways um so if you haven't heard fgm is the practice where um a girl's um vagina like the sorry the vulva the vulva not the vagina the, the vulva um bits are cut off so and there are different versions so sometimes it's the the labia that's cut off sometimes it's everything including the clitoris and it's all um sewn up and it's painful and um leaves scars and um everything is painful you know having sex and peeing and um childbirth and and everything is is, is horribly painful afterwards it's justified um with religion um but that is uh, not true and and there's nothing in Islam that kind of uh, justifies FGM but because culture and religion are so closely related to each other there is that confusion there um, yeah there is that confusion there and people don't know how to feel about it so and if you don't know otherwise you'd think it's just all the religion um, and it's not it it isn't women women have rights um people um should have free will um but we're not living in in an ideal world um but it's not the religion um it is the culture so i just wanted to take some time out to kind of explain that from an islamic point of view um because we don't get to hear that very often and so I just wanted to take some um, time out for that 
And the thing that I, uh, the last thing that I want to talk about um, for this episode kind of is quite a lot. So I just wanted to um, put a trigger warning out there. We'll just be talking about um, violence against women um, and sexual assault. If So if that is um, too much right now, please just... Um, stop listening from here on out. Um, I won't be going into detail, I'll be more um, talking more widely about it, but it, it will come up, um, so just a trigger warning. Um, but I just wanted to finish this episode by talking about the horrific, horrific sorry, events that have been um, happening, happening recently, um, you know, with not just happening in New Zealand with the um, the death, um, the murder of um, Lena Zhang Harrop, um, but also overseas, right, with Gabby Petito in America and Sabina Nessa in the UK. And all of the names that I've mentioned are victims to the world that we live in where women like we're still fighting for our safety we're still fighting for um our right to just be um women are murdered and being killed and being hurt um and we're still not safe and it's 2021 and you know, I know on the show I'm I more talk about um, race and diversity and inclusion, and I don't always take the time out to talk about well, what what is it like to be a woman. Um, I think with everything that's happening recently, it's really important to talk about um, violence against women because you know our identities are so complex and we don't just live life um in from the point of view of that one um of that one identity but it's all of our identities experiencing whatever it is that we're experiencing and so when we talk about race we we can't ignore um our you know gender identity we cannot ignore our sexual identity we just we cannot ignore who we are right and we cannot deny any parts of ourselves um at any one time and we need to live as a whole and it's 2021 and women are still not safe and i just wanted to spend some time talking about that um because when we talk about feminism and women's rights, sometimes we still don't create the space to kind of acknowledge the different layers within that, right? So, you know, we're not just one homogenous group. Women come from different um, cultural backgrounds, um, different sexualities, um, and when you talk about how there are these different layers to women when I think about the the difference in reporting 
um, between the st- all the stories that we have, um, it, you can see how these layers and these different privileges, how they come together um, and highlight different experiences of being a woman. Um, for example, um, Petito's case gained a lot of media visibility um, but one, the one of Sabina Nessa hardly did, um, hardly did and you know unfortunately there are so many sad stories out there of women who have gone missing or have been murdered from around the world um, yet we do not know the names or the circumstances of most of them um, because their stories have not made national or international headlines and you know this is something that is backed up by research um, there are feminist scholars who point out that other things like race class age um, ableness um, play a role in what stories become newsworthy and also if the victims um, how they're portrayed if they're innocent or if the victims are shamed um, and blamed and I think that is horrible because when you think about it from that point of view well there are some lives then that are considered more grievable than others um, and that's horrible because then that's also saying that there are lives that are less worthy um, which makes no sense because it's now putting people's you know putting putting victims as a statistic or a number and you know this is if you if you've seen the hashtag um say her name online the space um where that came from is this campaign was set up to raise awareness um around the number of black women and girls who have been killed by law um, enforcement officers in the US and that wasn't that wasn't gaining any traction at all um, wasn't considered newsworthy wasn't considered grievable um, and so that's where that campaign came from that hashtag of you know say her name um, came from that space and um, when you think about what um, happened in New Zealand, you know, the, the death of Lena Zhang Harrop, um, research has shown that women with disabilities are more likely to experience domestic violence, emotional abuse and sexual assault than women without disabilities. Um, women without disabilities um, f- may feel more um, isolated, um, unable to report the abuse or may be dependent on the abuser for care um, which is horrifying and we don't talk about it enough we don't we don't talk about um, all the lives that are lost all the women that go missing and we need to go back to 
acknowledging the role that race and gender and class play in how we live our lives because in our society the way that it's set up now we're saying that some lives matter and some lives don't like we just we just straight up don't care and so when we are fighting for women's rights we have to encapsulate all the ways that um people you know people experience what it is being a woman and kind of acknowledging the different privileges within that huge group because you know you as we can see from what's happened recently in the media coverage that there are some lives that are more valued and can you imagine imagine how dehumanizing that is um you know it's already so hard um and if you are a victim of violence or, or of sexual assault how hard it is to say something about it to report it um to find the courage to go for therapy um to heal yourself um it's already so hard but when there is the structures and the belief systems out there that say some lives are more valuable than others oh if you don't you know society tells you that your life isn't valuable how are we ever going to improve and change as a society which honors everyone and says hey actually um, everyone's lives matters here and so when we're talking about women and we're talking about women's rights um, we should be creating the space to talk about ableism and racism sexism um, we need to create space to talk about these things more um, otherwise we will just keep losing women and nothing will ever change and we're sick and tired of it we we're sick and tired of it and we need to say we need to say our name we need to share all the stories and we need to say enough is enough uh, everyone's lives are worthy and we need to acknowledge the role that um, race and class um, play out um, when it comes to how we experience being a woman, um, how we fight for a more, a safer world for, for all women, how we um, demolish the structures that say you are worthy but you aren't um, it's so unfair and I think that's why it's really important that we talk about intersectionality we acknowledge the different identities of people and make it a mission to understand our different 
privileges and experiences and barriers because if we don't have that understanding of each other nothing is ever going to change nothing is ever going to change um, and that's why it's really important to absorb and learn and listen as much as you can because life is so complicated and identity is so complicated um, and there are things that you may never experience or understand um, but if you don't go out there and listen and learn and grow how will you ever be a better ally? How will you be able to challenge the structures as they currently stand? Um, there needs to be that empathy and understanding there. And listen, we are not going to get it right. We will make mistakes, but it's more in how we learn from those mistakes and move forward right we do our best until we know better and then we do better um, and that is how life goes my gosh I felt like I just had a whoo like a big <laughs> TED talk moment um, but honestly that is how I feel about these sorts of things and when I was reading about the these horrible stories I was just like Oh, we need to talk more we need to listen more we need to understand more um, because we all need to be involved um, if we ever want to say proudly that all lives matter and all lives are worthy um, and there's not an expiration date on the groupability of women's lives that are being lost um, there is no stories that are buried or worse off picked up but then quickly dropped because it's not considered worthy enough um, we need to we need to talk more and we need to listen and we need to acknowledge the role that um, race has to play um, and and gender and class um, and we need to act acknowledge our full identities more um, sorry for kind of ending on a more heavier note um, but I hope that the past 50 minutes or so um, has been valuable and I uh, can't wait to call it all uh, in the next episode thank you for tuning in into another episode of Headscarfs and Good Yarns to keep spinning the yarns let us know your thoughts you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarfs and Good Yarns or email us at headscarfsandgoodyarn at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the Air.